Dr. Michael Grant, and I am the irreverent psychologist. That means I tell it like I see it. You're free to disagree as much as you want. That's okay. doesn't bother me a bit. I operate a practice of clinical psychology in beautiful Charlottesville, Virginia, and you can read more about it and me at www.wellbeingpsychology, all one word, .net. The Irreverent Psychologist podcast tackles topics head-on without any window dressing or talking around tough issues or apologizing for a very frank discussion. Sex, men's issues, women's issues, LGBTQ plus issues, depression, anxiety, and all sorts of things that can help you have a better life. These are the subjects of this podcast. Welcome, and let's get started. Today's topic is What You Focus on Grows, Part 2. In Part 1 of What You Focus on Grows, we discussed the definition of focus. Focus as a verb means to concentrate on, to cause energy to converge on, and to selectively bring the energy of your attention to bear on something. We learned that the definition of focus is important because it's all about energy, and energy is power. We also discussed how focus is a combination of salience, or what is important to you, and selective attention, paying attention to that important thing. We learned that salience plus selective attention equals focus. We said that paying close attention to this important thing greatly increases our sensitivity to it and keeps it at the front of our mind. We discussed the fact that focus is a neutral process. We can choose to focus on problems or solutions, but whatever we focus on, it grows. We either focus on problems and grow them, or focus on solutions and grow them. Last, we discussed the importance of getting a very good handle on what is positive and is good in our lives, so we can not only appreciate these things, but direct our focus energy on them to grow them even bigger and better. This week, we will go through a five-step process for determining what is really important to us and how we can selectively attend to that and become more sensitive to it so we can make it expand in our lives. So let's get started and talk specifics. What specific behaviors do you need to execute to use the incredible power of focus to get more of what you want in your life? I'll outline the behaviors in five steps, and the first ones should be very familiar to you since they come right out of the formula for focus, salience plus selective attention equals focus. So step one, you must first figure out what is important or salient to you. And how do you uncover things that have grown to be important, but you might not even be aware of them? You do the Watergate test. Around 1969, when the Washington Post reporters asked the informant Deep Throat how high the corruption went in the government, he said, follow the money. To determine what's really important to you, use Watergate test number one. Follow the money. Go to your checkbook. Open it. Look at the transaction register for the last two or three months. Read backward in time. Look at each check entry and see where your money went. You can also look at the last several months of your credit card statement or receipts you may keep for purchases. Some credit card companies will provide you with a chart that shows the categories in which you spent money, 
like travel, gasoline, dining, clothing, etc. Use all these to get an idea of where your money is going, because your money will tell you, in part, what is important to you. Try to write down at least 10 to 12 items that are getting varying amounts of your money, and then look at the list without any judgment. Did each of these items become important, salient to you by chance or by choice, by default or by decision? Second, Watergate test number two, follow the time. Some things that are important to you might not have been picked up by the money test. So we need to also take a look at where you're spending your time. Every one of us gets 24 hours a day for each of our days. Let's say you sleep eight hours and you work eight hours or so each day. The total of sleeping and working 16 hours leaves another eight for commuting to and from work, carpools, errands, eating, unwinding, studying, being with the family, everything else. If we allow five hours for all those activities, that leaves about three hours each day that are at your disposal. You might say, hey, I don't have three hours each day to do what I want. Actually, you may have more. According to a study by the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston and reported in Time magazine in October 2006, most American adults watch two and a half hours of TV each day. And if they happen to get another hour of disposable time, they give TV half of it. That's three hours a day. So three hours of disposable time each day on average is, in fact, a conservative number. As you did with money, take a really good, honest look at what you're spending your time on each week and write it down so you can see it in black and white. Now let's use one last test. Watergate test number three. Follow the energy. Where's your energy going every day, every week, month, year? Just see it, note it, and keep it in mind without judging yourself about where you're currently spending your energy. Let's face it, you and I have limited amounts of money, time, and energy. Since you're wanting to grow through increased focus, what is salient to you and what you want more of in your life, you will have to pick the things on which you want to focus your money, time, and energy. You can't selectively attend to everything. Selective means you've got to make some hard choices, and those choices need to be for the top most things that are important or salient to you and on which you will direct your attention in a focused way. Look again at all the items in your Watergate tests. Are these really what are important to you and what you want to grow? Which of these items got in by default rather than by a specific decision on your part? Which of these got in by chance rather than by your specific choice? Which ones really aren't important to you? What items that may not even be on your list are important to you and should be included and need your focus? I asked you to suspend judgment of yourself earlier, but now is the time for judgment. I don't mean judgment or criticism of yourself, because that will only shut you down. I mean rather clear judgment to determine what's really salient and important in your life and what you truly want to see grow. Now that you have the data that says something is currently getting your money, time, and energy, you need now to say either, yes, that really needs my focus because it's important to me, or 
No, I don't know how that got so much of me in the past, and I need to cut my focus on it way down because it's really not that important to me. You may have come up with a long list of things you feel are important to you, but you will have a hard time focusing on each equally, so I'd like to suggest that you take three to five of the very most important things that need much more growth in your life and write them down. Writing down is very important, so don't skip it. These will be the things that you have decided, as they grow through your focused energy and work, will make the biggest positive impact on your life. Make them very specific, and make sure you can actually attain the growth of these things. Don't set goals that are fuzzy or unattainable. You don't have to focus only on these few items forever, but you will need to focus on them until they've grown to the size you want. After that, they will need some maintenance level of focus to stay healthy, and you can then select another set of items for your main focal energy. Now that you have used the Money, Time, and Energy Watergate tests to discover what is most salient or important to you, we can go on to step two. Step two. If you're going to grow something, you need to know what its current size is so you can measure changes as it grows. You have to know where you are right now in terms of the amount or level of your top most important things. If spending more time with someone to grow a relationship is your important item, then how much time are you spending each day right now before you start focusing on growing it? Measure it in minutes, record it, and track it as you work to improve it through focus. If you want to grow your finances, exactly how much money do you want to produce? How much debt in dollars do you want to pay off? If you want to improve your health and have decided to focus on diet and exercise, how many calories are you eating each day now? How many minutes are you spending exercising now? How much do you weigh now? No matter what you want to grow, you need to measure where you are now. The baseline. You also need to define how much you want so that you will know when you get there. Lastly, you'll need to determine a specific timeline for when you want to see your desired level of growth. Look at your most important three to five items and determine for each their baseline level right now. Decide how much you want to have and determine exactly when you want to have it. Now write this down because writing focuses you to commit to it much more than just thinking about it ever will. Step three. Honestly determine how much time you are currently spending selectively attending to each of your most important items. You need to know this. To focus, you will need to attend much more to each item, and to do that, you need to know where you are right now. You may have learned above that what is really salient to you may not be what you're spending most of your time on, thinking about, talking about, rehearsing your mind, etc. Write next to each item how much time you are selectively attending to it now by these behaviors, and how much time you think it might need in order to grow to the extent you want. You can always change this later and increase or decrease as you see a need, but write your best estimate now. Step 4. You will need to develop a tentative list of specific things you'll need to do to increase the level of your top most important items. Human beings 
change by small steps, baby steps. As we saw in podcast number two, you get more of what you reward. Plan your steps so that they're very specific and very small, smaller than you think you need. This way, when you get to that step in reality and find you don't have much energy, it will be easier to take the small step and you will keep your momentum moving forward. If you get to a step and you have lots of energy left over, you might complete maybe two small steps instead of one and move forward even faster. At the start, set yourself up for success by making the steps very small so you can be flexible when you actually get to them. To break down your specific important goals into little steps, you can use the upward arrow method. Write your goal with its desired size and the time you want to achieve it on the top of a sheet of paper with an arrow under it pointing up to that goal. Then ask yourself, what is the thing I would need to have done just before I achieve the goal to achieve it? Write that little achievement, the prior baby step, just below the base of the arrow and draw another arrow under this achievement pointing up at it. What is the baby step I need to achieve to get to that? Write it down. Keep going until you reach the baby step you need to take as your very first one. As you go along in achieving each step, you'll see that steps may need to be changed or reordered, some deleted, some added, etc. That's okay. It's your list of steps, and you can change it however you want, and as often as you want, as long as you remain focused on describing each step that will help you achieve your goal. Focusing on each current and next step will help you keep the thing that is important to you at the forefront of your mind and ensure that you devote much, much more attention to it, mentally and behaviorally. You are turning the magnifying glass of your mind on what you want more of, and you are directing all of your energy and hands-on work towards it. Step 5. You will need help as you go along, and you will need to figure out some tactics that will help you keep your selective attention, energy, and efforts on the steps towards growing what is important to you. How can you do that? Following are some questions you need to address and for which you will need to develop some specific answers. Which friends or family members will be able to hear about what you're doing and support you? Who will hold you accountable for continuing to focus and take the next steps? What changes will those who live with you be willing to make to help you stay focused? How will you reward yourself when you've completed a baby step? You need rewards and accountability continuously if you're going to remain focused on growing something important in your life. What can you do to deal with being distracted from having your focus pulled from your goal? What can you do to get yourself refocused? Should you review your list of steps or remind yourself of the importance of your goal? What? Focusing on the most important issues in your life and attempting to develop and grow them is tough work. Make sure you have what you need for this journey. Prepare to succeed, and you will. Ignore preparation, and you will fail. Follow the above steps to make sure you achieve your important goals. To help you out, you can find these five steps written out in the notes for this podcast at www.theirreverentpsychologist.net. Well, what about things you don't want in your life? 
What specific behaviors do you need to demonstrate to use the power of focus to eliminate what you don't want? Since we've already gone through in detail the steps to increasing your focus on what you do want, the steps to decreasing what you don't want will be pretty easy. In fact, they are exactly the same except for step one, which I will describe in a moment. And to help you as you think about your problem, I have elicited the advice of Albert Einstein, who said, The significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. Or, to state it another way, you cannot solve a problem by thinking about the problem. You must move your mind out of the problem and think rather about its solution. Read these two statements to yourself several times. Really think about them. You might even copy them down and paste them around the house for a while so that you see them and are reminded of them. They are truth. That truth is the basis of the steps to help you use focus to eliminate or reduce your problems. The first step to getting rid of problems is to answer in writing the following questions. What very specifically is the issue, problem, difficulty you want out of your life? Second, how much of this do you want out of your life? Part of it? All of it? How much? How much time right now are you spending thinking about it, chewing it like cud, mulling it over, talking about it, etc.? Now write down the core problem. In your imagination, take a mental picture of this problem or issue and imagine what its negative image would look like. You've seen negative images on film, haven't you? What is the exact opposite, the 100% negative image of your problem? That is, if you totally replace this problem with the thing you want instead of it, what would that good thing be? Describe that desired thing in writing, specifically. Good. You have now set for yourself a topmost important, salient goal. Make sure that you describe it very specifically, and that you can actually attain this thing, and that it's not just a dream for you. Once you've described it specifically, treat it like one of your top most important items, as we did above, and starting with step two, work all the way through until you've completed step five, just as you would do with something positive you wanted to grow in your life. What you're doing in this process, basically, is getting your focus off your problem, because we know that focusing on problems only makes them bigger, and getting your focus on the positive solution to it, using steps you can take to focus all of your energy on making that solution a reality for you. As you transfer your focus from what you don't want to its opposite, something you do want, and then work toward achieving those positive goals, you will decrease what you dislike by crowding it out with the achievement of that which you desire. In some ways, it's like simple math. As what you want grows and occupies your mental field, your experience in your life, what you don't want is crowded out. You don't push the negative out directly because you do not focus on it. Instead, focus on its exact opposite, the positive thing you do want. You grow it, and it pushes the negative out. Does this mean that your life will be perfect and full of roses and all your problems will go away? Wake up! This is not dreamland. This is reality, and reality does not work that way. 
To some degree in your life, there will always be problems and some things, some people, some realities and some situations you just don't like. They're a pain in the butt. But focusing on what you do want will, more than you might think or realize, push these other things off of center stage and will expand the percentage of what's good in your life. Now, forget about getting to 100% great things. No one has that. But what if you really assessed your life as 80% really good and 20% challenging to some degree, or even 90-10? That'd be a lot better than where too many people are, 95% crap and growing. You can change your life for the better, but only if you change where you focus. Okay, let's sum up what we've learned so far. What you focus on grows. First, focus results from selectively attending to what is salient to you. You're always focusing on something, and your focus causes whatever receives its energy to grow. The law of focus is neutral, and you can use it for your good or for your ill. In the past, you may have tended to focus on problems rather than good things you may already have, and so tend to grow only more problems, or at least bigger ones. But the law could just as easily operate to grow more blessings if you would turn your focus on them instead. This is because your mind and the imagination your mind produces are incredibly powerful. Sadly, probably no one taught you how to use your mind to focus on growing what you do want. And so, in the past, you may have tended to grow more of what you say you don't want. There are, however, some very basic steps we've reviewed in this podcast that you can follow to grow more of what you want, but you must first be very, very clear about what is important to you and what you truly want to grow through your focused energy. As you get very specific about what you want, break each step toward it down into very small, easy-to-do pieces and plan how you're going to remain focused on it. You will find that you really can grow what you desire and shrink what you no longer want in your life. This is very powerful. It's the power of a harnessed mind. It's like a magnifying glass focusing the power of the sun on one point. You have that power, and in this podcast, you've learned some basic steps in using it to put in your life what you want to have, what you want to have, what you focus on grows. This week on The Irreverent Psychologist, we've been talking about what you focus on grows, part two. I hope this has been helpful to you. For more information about the contents of this podcast and to read more about the power of mental focus to grow good things and to reduce unwanted things in your life, go to www.theirreverentpsychologist.net and look for episode four. Next week on The Irreverent Psychologist, we'll be discussing you cannot motivate anyone else, or how to stop driving yourself and everyone around you crazy by trying to get them to do something. My name is Dr. Michael Grant, and I am the Irreverent Psychologist. I'll see you next time. 